This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the Blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Brett Hall, Courtney Campbell, Cujo, Jenny Oates, Brown, Chase, Fears, Zombo, Sezzle, Butcher, Shanty, Tilly, Tuttle, Sutter, Twister, Turcot, Kimball, Turgeon, Baron, Bassin, Pronger, Pearson, Bergevin, Bozon, Al McKinnis, Crab, Chuck, Howard, Chuck, Petrovicki, Pellerin, Dimitra, Yate, Corson, Conrad, Gretzky. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup near 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. Goodbye for now. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world. And will be for just a little while yet, the St. Louis Blues. I am your host, Tom Franklin, joined as always by Wags. Wags, always good to see you, bud. Good to see you too, Tom. I'm getting excited. We had some big news this week that might signal a return to hockey, but... Even bigger news, we got a chance to wrap up our bracket. Yes, we have a winner in a bracket of our own, and we'll get to that and uh, also kind of tell you where we are as a podcast going forward. We're also, we also were a guest on our buddy Michael Farley's uh, Clean Skate podcast this week. We'll share a little bit of that with you and direct you there if you want more of our uh, thoughts on the current 24-team playoff uh, hockey format. Uh, personally, I think we're still – it sounds like we're still a little ways away from the puck dropping on that. Uh, you know, it, it's the, the courtship has just begun. We got our number wags, but uh, we still need to make that call. So – um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see when we get back on the ice, uh, for sure. But speaking of things that were on the ice, um, we had a bracket of our own where we, uh, picked the two best St. Louis blues, uh, the best St. Louis blues player to ever hit the ice for the St. Louis blues. We had two choices in our finals. It was Brett Hall versus Chris Pronger. And after a close matchup wags, we have a winner. We do. And, I don't know if it was a surprise to you or not, but Brett Hall, as voted by the fans, is the greatest blues player of all time in a bracket of our own. Sorry, I was trying to sing like Brett Hall. Uh, Actually, it was pretty spot on, actually. (laughs) Uh, The the golden pipes of the golden Brett. There you go. I I just tried. Um, Yes, Brett Hall is a winner of a bracket of our own. Uh, Very close matchup in the finals. As as you just said, it was – uh, what was the final percentage on that? On um, Twitter poll, was a fifty-nine to forty-one percent victory. It was a, that, so that was a, that was a very close match. I think that was as close as Brett Hall had been tested this whole tournament, and rightfully so. Um, I think I, I agree with the vote. I think Brett Hall uh, deserved to win it just because of all that. You know, for me, it just comes down to 
what he meant for the franchise and the fact that we literally he literally got Enterprise Center built for us when you consider where the Blues were in the late 80s and, you know, where they are now. You know, Brett Hall is a big responsibility for that transition for sure. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I think the fact that Pronger got as much love as he did just kind of goes to show that I don't know if – if this was done 10 years ago, do you think Chris Pronger does as well as he did? I, I, I don't know because I don't know if Brett Hall would have done as good as he did either because True. at that point, Brett Hall was not back in St. Louis and obviously the Blues hadn't won a cup either. So I think it might have actually been just as close because you could have made arguments on both sides that would have allowed these guys to, to get, garner those votes. I'm still going back to last week's episode. Pronger to me – made up the most ground when it came to reputation in St. Louis. Brett Hall didn't have much to go on. He was like looked at as a guy that could be pretty darn good and became that. Whereas Pronger was maligned when he came in here. People were pissed because he was traded for Brendan Shanahan. And the fact that he became, by the time he left St. Louis, one of the most perfect players for the St. Louis Blues in the fandom, that, that to me showed – why I thought he might have won this bracket was because of that. But like you said, you can't fault Brett Hall for winning because he did build Enterprise Center essentially. And when you think of the St. Louis Blues, that's the first guy you think of. Yeah, definitely. And and, and that's still the case today. And, and you don't just think of him for his great singing ability, you know, <laughs> or, you know, his ability to completely destroy a microphone, you know, just, you know, with, with, his, with his voice. I mean, he was a hell of a player back in this day and he's getting his just desserts. I think Chris Pronger did make up some ground, you know, then, you know, on his reputation, just, you know, compared to where he was. I think Al McInnes was also kind of a benefit of, uh, of you know, time gone by. You know, I, I think we all respect Al McInnes as a very solid player, but it just seems to me like, you know, he's a guy that I think people have looked at and, you know, they look back on and just they, they, they remember how scary a shot was. I think his defensive reputation probably has gotten better with age a little bit. People forget how good of a defensive player he was. And the fact that he is a member of the Blues organization to this day and a visible one at that, you know, as he's off and out making press conferences. And people can see how, how, this, just how quality of a human being Al McInnes is. You know, uh, if you read if you read the Athletic this past week, uh, Jeremy Rutherford did a poll of former Blues alumni, um, where they where he just asked like who was their favorite coach, who was their favorite captain, and a few of the players, um, and I, I I forget which ones off the top of my head, but a few of them mentioned that they liked Don McGinnis just because he was a guy just a lead by example type of a guy. I mean, he wasn't a loud guy or anything like that. Uh, he was also one of the most fit players of his time. I mean, you know, to play at 39 and, you know, play as well as he did at 39, you have to be a physical, you know, specimen. I think Jay Bomeister probably could have played until he was 40 if he wanted to because uh, he, he was just one of those guys that was always so fit. But, you know, his heart had other plans. Um, but overall, you know, just kind of a few other takeaways I had from this, uh, from this uh, experiment of ours. Uh, number one, I think recency bias is real. Um, I think it helped Jordan Bennington a lot. It helped Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly a lot. He was kind of our, uh, he was kind of our VCU Loyola Valparaiso, you know, darling of the tournament so far. Coming up from a number twelve seed, and uh, really giving. I, I think he was the first one to give some chinks in Brett Hull's armor. 
in this tournament, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he, he was. He was the first guy to actually garner a vote against Brett Hall out of Wayne Gretzky, Adam Oates and himself. So that right there shows you what Ryan O'Reilly and, his, and the recency bias has done. So, yeah, I, I think that was a big part of it. And he's probably the one guy besides maybe Bennington himself where I look at he's 29 years old. So if we do this again in five years, I think it's I think it's a, a slam dunk that Ryan O'Reilly will be higher than a, a number 12 seed in five years at the rate he's going. I mean, you heard from Gerard last week that, you know, Gerard considers Ryan O'Reilly his favorite player uh, currently. I would probably say my favorite player out of anyone that's playing right now for the Blues probably would be O'Reilly. Just and, and, it's, and it goes back for the same reasons that I liked Al McGinnis so much, just that lead-by-example, you know, workman-like type of a personality. Um, and by all accounts, he's a nice guy. He's a good teammate. And uh, you see the little things that he does on the ice. He's great at face-offs. He plays selkie-level defense as a, as a forward. He just does a lot of the – a lot of things you just love to see. And it's, it's not necessarily the big flashy things either. He's just a good player, plain and simple. And he's, he's approachable. He has a great work ethic, and he has a personality. I think yeah. those are the, the three big things. First guy on the ice, last guy off the ice. He's yeah. a guy that will take a superstar or a rookie under his wing and talk with them about life or what have you. And, that's, and like you said, you saw the same thing with Al McKinnis. He's a guy that was approachable. Then you talk about his fitness and his, his work ethic and all those sorts of things. Those both mirror each other as well. And like you said, in five years, if we do this again, when we do this again, he may have a couple more Stanley Cups under his belt as well, sure. which would also help a lot in the, exactly. in the seating of the brackets. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a couple other things I learned. Uh, number one, the Blues goaltending history is not great. Um, there, you know, Grant Fear was our number two seed, and you know the fact, and the fact that he was only here for you know a little over three years—that's very telling. And the fact that Bennington was our number one seed, and he's had one season of greatness under his belt—I think that's very telling of how uh, the Blues' hockey uh, goaltending history is gone. But at the same time, though, I—if I, I had a chance to reseed. I might have put Cujo uh, somehow. I at least yeah. a number three, maybe a two. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, you can't just look at things like win totals and things like that or, or what they almost or could have done uh, with, with Cujo's popularity in St. Louis and, and kind of after seeing how the voting went as well. I, he might have been able to make a deeper run if he would have been a little bit higher of a seed. You might have had a, a Jordan Bennington-Curtis Joseph finals if that right. were the case. So that would have been a very interesting one because that matchup between those two in the earlier rounds was actually one of the closest in the goalie bracket. So. Could yeah. have been very interesting. Yeah, that could have been interesting. And I think the, and there's one thing I could change for sure is that instead of before hole and after hole forwards, I probably would have done like pre-2000, post-2000 forwards. Because as we learned, you know, when we were setting this bracket up, before Brett Hall, there wasn't a whole lot to choose from. No. I, I mean, I mean, let's face it. Paul Correa did not make this tournament, but Chuck Lefley did. Let, 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 that, 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 that should have been a flag right there, but it's like, no, I, we, we pretty much – the timing worked out. We had to stick with before and after hole, and, uh, yeah, that's, that, that was a regret. Yeah, I mean, like we said, the, the teams of those 70s and into the early 80s were just absolutely terrible. I mean, it wasn't just the forwards either. I mean, the defensemen 
the goalies. It, it just wasn't a great time for our Blues organization. And yeah, no. you had some standouts. You had the Youngers and the Berensons, and then you got into Federico and Sutter. The players but, and yeah. And, yeah, but but it was essentially you knew one of the top two seeds was coming out of those brackets because those were the only two guys or one guy that even made a difference during that time frame. Yeah, I, I think fans would have been um, more interested to see Paul Correa and uh, Paul Stastny in our bracket than Frank St. Marseille and, you know, Chuck Leffley and, and Larry Patey. Just, just a wild guess. So uh, it, did, it did make me go back and research Blues history, though, so I will give it that. At least now I know who these guys are and how bad they were. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. That is true. Uh, and by the way, actually, I, I think I, I, I did a video on this. I got a book recently, Gary Unger and the Battling Blues. It came out in 1976. It, it's very hard to find nowadays, and it's not on Kindle. Um, I probably overpaid for this book to be honest with you but you know what it was an it, it, it still had the dust jacket and then like 45 years later i felt that was an accomplishment but i i'm i'm reading through the early years of the of the blues the book kind of chronicles you know a lot of detail that you don't see about the early years of the blues and remember that red berenson barkley plager trade from the rangers well, the book goes into like about two paragraphs for that. So basically, and I don't have the book in front of me, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. But the story was, was Red Berenson and the coach of the Rangers at the time were not clicking. They had a personality clash. Berenson was kind of a, you know, more progressive type of a personality, whereas the coach just was just, it, it just didn't work, basically. And so, he wanted to trade Berenson and he wanted to get a veteran checking forward in return for Berenson. So he approached the blues and said, Hey, you have Ron Stewart, uh, this 34 year old solid checking forward. Uh, we want to give you Berenson. You want to do it? And at the time, uh, I think it was Bowman who would have been the GM at the time. Still, he said he, he knew that Barkley uh, was with the Rangers and so he said, hey, we, we, we're interested, but we, we want to get Barkley too. And so the Rangers were like, yeah, okay, yeah, just, just, just throw someone in. And, 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 and so they threw in Ron Atwell. So that is how one of the most lopsided trades in Blues history happened. It was actually the Rangers approaching the Blues, and they were trying to get rid of this poison pill named Red Berenson. That's yeah. basically how it, that's how it came about. Just now you know. Now that's you know. that's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it just gives you even more credence to how lopsided it was. Is it wasn't even the Blues that pursued it, and, and it was wow. like, "Hey, here's a crazy idea. Let's see if this sticks." No, the Rangers yeah. proposed it. Yeah, and, and and they just what and they wanted a short term fix, and 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 that's that's basically what happened. Uh, in fact, actually, Berenson left the Blues when they when they did the trade for Gary Younger. Uh, he left the Blues because he and I think Bowman weren't getting along. So I guess, you know, uh, because Berenson had become the president of the Players Association at the time, and uh, Bowman thought that it, uh, he was spending way too much time uh, in, in his duties. And just it was he thought his play was going down on the ice, which was true at the time. So they traded Berenson, they got Unger back, and now the rest is history on that one. Um, but just very interesting book if you have a chance to pick it up. Gary Younger and the Battling Blues. Uh, but finally, getting back to the bracket, uh, another congratulations to uh, Brett Hall. Um, I think when we set up this bracket, I think we thought that he might be the you know favorite you know at at, at the belt at the post, if you will. So, congrats to Brett. 
another trophy for him to put in his trophy case. One of many. One of many. Um, now, moving on, we, uh, we, we talked a little bit with our buddy down in Dallas, uh, Michael Farley. Uh, with a uh, clean skate podcast of course if you've heard his name frequently on this podcast he's one of our frequent guests here we don't have time to do the whole interview on this podcast because we do have part two of Gerard the the Dutch Blues fan to get to here Um, and of course our announcements as to what we're going to be doing in the near future but Michael did ask us is there a team that you look at in those bottom teams that are playing in those matchups that could come out that worries you guys for a first round matchup is there is there one team that stands out that worries you guys the most for a first round matchup i'll let you start wags oh man thanks a lot no uh, <laughs> it's all on you <laughs> um man the one the one team that that really does kind of scare me and it's more so just because of the lack of really anything around them and what they did to us or what they almost did to us like winnipeg Winnipeg kind of scares me because they're under the radar. They've got a good goalie in Connor Hellebuck. They've got a great set of forwards. Their defense went into the season. You weren't sure what you were going to get out of it, and they rose to the occasion. So the fact that it's more that they're an unknown more than anything else. I mean, Nashville's a little bit older, especially in the goaltending ranks. Um, You know, Edmonton, you could put them up there as well because of Connor McDavid. But Winnipeg is just such an unknown for me that, I, I would be very, very hesitant to to match up against them, especially in the first round if they coming off of an upset of a, of a team like Calgary. Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same boat as well. I mean, you know, especially – I mean, I'm looking at this as, again, there's not going to be any fans in these in these places. So I might have said Nashville, you know, had everything been normal just because the Blues have a tough time playing in Nashville in general. It's a pretty inhospitable place for visiting teams. I went there earlier this year. I can verify that. Um, but as as Wag said, they're 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 older, and again, this is going to be neutral ground, and there's a zero percent chance any of these games will actually be played in the city of Nashville, from the looks of it. So I don't think we had to worry about them so much. Um, Edmonton kind of concerns me a little bit, just because you know I feel this has been a long time coming for Edmonton, and you know they've 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 got the talent. I mean, Drysaddle, I mean he's probably my pick for the heart at this point, just because he just an absolutely phenomenal player and no I don't think it's just because of McDavid either I mean I think he's great by himself Uh, but then you put those two together and that's gonna be a hard combo to stop Um, but I think in the end I'm I'm actually gonna have to agree with Wags and I'm gonna say Winnipeg here just because Halibuck is having a Vesna level season he might even get some hard consideration honestly because of the way his defense has been and he's had to kind of stand on his head a little bit uh they still have some dangerous scores i mean connor and line a are two very capable forwards shifley is uh is is one of the most one of the best centers you've never heard of and i think they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder after what happened last year i mean they gave the blues a heck of a run in the first round and had some things gone their way it could be a completely different story so i i i'll I'll also go with winnipeg and the other part of it too is is Winnipeg's style matches the Blues, and whenever the Blues go up against a team that matches their style, they struggle a lot. And they may win some of those games, and they may lose some of those games. But when they're playing that similar style, it's it's pretty much a coin flip, and that's what Winnipeg does. And let me just uh, and for Wags, I'll say it for the both of us. I'm just glad that it won't be the Stars that the Blues will have to face first, because uh, the Stars are like. It, it, out of any team in the playoffs, the stars give me the heebie-jeebies the most. 
I'm looking forward to not having to play any of the other three teams in the, in that first round. I, I'm glad I don't have to play Colorado, St. Louis, or Vegas. Like the fact that the, those four teams get to miss each other all guaranteed first round, I think it is awesome because there's been, there's some times right where obviously like uh, like one and two won't ever play each other, but there's some like real tight matchups in that first round between like uh, I, I think it's four and five or, or five and six that play each other, uh, which, which are always tight. But I think here with uh, the fact that we're going to miss it, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting. I, I'm with you guys, though, considering the fact that you guys think the Jets play Blues-style hockey, I guess. I, I, I agree with that. But I think from a Stars perspective, for me, I'd probably flip Edmonton and, and uh, the Jets. I think I would be very nervous to meet the Jets in round one. But from a Dallas Stars perspective, the Oilers have killed us, and I just don't know what Dallas, like what McDavid and Drysaitel are in the playoffs. Other than I think the last time they played in the playoffs, they they lost to the Ducks, but Drysaitel had a hat trick in a game. Like like, and, and you're getting a year where everything was cut short. I think from a Stars perspective, the Oilers would would concern me the most in round one. But I, I think you're right. I think especially as soon as you said jets there wags, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like they play a very similar of that, that sort of uh, bump and grind style of hockey. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot. And again, check out a clean skate podcast. We'll retweet it on our Twitter page at blue notes pod. We'll also share it on our Facebook page which I realize we just let the cat out of the bag on that one. We have a Facebook page, everyone. Um, Michael, you set it up. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's another place for us to congregate and kind of get connected with you, the fans, because, you know, Twitter's only one avenue that that you can get uh, your content from. We want to be able to make sure we're connecting with you all over the place, especially now that we're going to be going away for a little bit, uh, kind of taking a break. We want to make sure we have ways to connect with you guys. So go to the Facebook page. It is at uh, Blue Notes Podcast on Facebook. You can find us there. Uh, we also have a link to our merchandise store as well on there. So make sure you check that out. Merchandising. Merchandising. God, I love space balls. My I, books I, is hilarious. I, oh, man. Yeah. The, yeah. Next season is going to be Blue Notes 2, the quest for more money. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we do have an emer- uh, a merchandise page. It is uh, it's at What for Apparel. So you can click the link on our uh, Blue Notes Facebook page, or you can just go to Blue Notes dot dot com. We have a couple of different shirts available, including one celebrating Ryan O'Reilly's arrival in St. Louis. Uh, that famous Pierre LeBrun tweet. So you can get a shirt of it now. Uh, if you wanted to, we also have a mug and just, uh, we don't make much from it, but you know, we just, it'd be cool if, you know, I was walking around town one day and saw someone wearing a blue note shirt. Uh, so if you ever wanted to get one, now's your chance. And I would say, by the way, with these shirts, Wags, uh, we might be doing some refining and revamping to our logo here in the off season. So this might be your only chance to get a shirt with our current logo. So you can be an OG blue notes fan right now if you buy one of our shirts right now because they're probably going to go away before uh by the time season two rolls around always got to be upgrading man always have to be upgrading get on get in on the ground floor and be an og blue notes podcast member absolutely absolutely and uh we also uh have a twitch page of our own uh not through hockey pod net it's just uh let me just double check the url on that real quick uh, it is twitch.tv, if I can type, slash Blue Notes 
I think that's it by itself. Uh, answer is yes, it is. All right. Uh, Twitch.tv slash blue notes. And, uh, We'll be doing some more game streaming on there. We're going to uh, probably have Michael Farley on as our uh, third member of our NHL 23's team, but um, not just going to be playing NHL 20 there. I actually have an idea. I think I'm going to start it here in the next week. I, I played Halo when, I was, when it first came out on the original Xbox, and I never played the rest of the Halo games. So I have no idea what goes on in Halo after the first game. Uh, I've n- I, I don't know where the storyline goes. So I'm thinking what I'm thinking of doing, I have the master chief collection on Xbox one. I think I'm going to do a Halo run starting from the start to the finish. And I'll just take it as long as it takes, you know, and, and, and that might be what I do to get us through these next, few months you know where we'll be without hockey and without a podcast so uh check that out i i don't know when i'm going to start that yet um we are uh going to get some graphics for twitch um from uh isha jerome and our uh graphics guys at the hockey podcast network and as as you said wags um this is going to be our last podcast for a little while uh we have uh the situation, and I'll, I'll be blunt with you, um, I signed a contract uh, at the start of the season to uh, do episodes up until the end of May, and it is now June 1st, so May has come and gone. And as uh, and after talking with uh, Isha Jerome and Dylan Kayser, our two uh, co-founders of the Hockey Podcast Network, um, we are basically free agents now, technically. Out, we're, we're, we're out of contract and with seeing as there's no actual hockey going on at the moment, we're going to take a little break, but um, we will be back. We're not going anywhere. I mean, we wouldn't tell you to buy our shirts and then say, Oh, we're leaving. Bye. Uh, that would, that wouldn't make sense. That would so, be a Stan Kroenke move. That kind of would be actually. And, and we don't, we don't like that kind of behavior around here. Wags. We don't, we don't condone it and we do, and we certainly don't appreciate it. So we are going to be back uh, here on blue notes. Uh, Wags and I will uh, get new contracts signed. I have no idea what they're going to look like. Cause you know, the way the playoffs and the regular season is going to look, I not sure exactly what's planned there. However, um, when hockey does come back for the playoffs, we have been given the green light to, uh, post whenever, basically, uh, it'll still be once a week, uh, on Monday mornings, um, when they do come, when these new episodes come out. So one reason why we kind of went on a blitz of setting up a Facebook page, a YouTube page, a Twitch account is so we can keep connected with you guys during this little bit of downtime that we're going to have here. And also, even if we do resume podcasts, which you'll know if you just you know, if you like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast thing, and you see a new episode pop up, well, that means we're back, obviously. But uh, until then, uh, we're 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 gonna try some different ways to keep in contact with you, and uh, give the podcast a little bit of a breather. So, um, but we will be back. We're not going anywhere. We're just we're just taking a step back for now. Um, and we're going to get to part two of our uh, conversation with Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan. We talked to him last week about uh, the process to get him, uh, about his, his, his getting him to be a Blues fan, first of all. You know, his love for NHL 94 and, you know, being a hockey fan in the Netherlands, which is not exactly the biggest hockey hotbed in Europe. 
Um, I mean, it's not a foreign game to them, but it's just not as rabid as, say, like it is in German, in Germany, rather. Uh, so now we've gotten him to St. Louis. We're going to talk to Gerard here about his experience here in St. Louis. And we couldn't do this without our friends at Manscaped. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will Thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. All right. Thank you a lot, Ish, for that. And uh, thanks to our friends at Manscaped for making this interview possible. And without further ado... Let's bring on our newest friend of the program, Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan. And we'll be playing, by the way, since he is an NHL 94 uh, fan, we will, we will be playing that beautiful NHL 94 yes. music to, 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 to lead him into that. I forgot to tell him that, actually, now that I think of it. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and play it now. Hopefully you're listening, Gerard. We're thinking of you. Here is NHL 94's When, this, when the Blues Go Marching In. Once again, joining us from the beautiful Netherlands is Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan. Welcome back to uh, Blue Notes. Yeah, good to have me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last week, you know, we kind of talked about your, you know, you becoming a Blues fan and, you know, just, you know, hockey in, in the Netherlands in general. Uh, now that it is the week to the day, actually the day to the day when this comes out, when you flew to St. Louis, we're going to talk about your experience in St. Louis here a little bit here. So, uh, my, so we're just going to start right off the bat here. You arrive in St. Louis from the plane. What are your first impressions of St. Louis? Uh, well, the first impression was um, uh, how do I go to downtown? Because somebody offered to pick me up. Uh, on Twitter, but then they said they they can't make it. Um, but then uh, an, another guy who uh, who already offered me uh, a ride, uh, I sent him a message, and he saw it, and he said, "I'm going to pick you up at the airport." So then I had a personal ride to downtown, where I was in a hotel. Uh, the, I, I actually saw that thing is closed now. It was the City Place Hotel. Well, it was really a bad hotel, but that that's probably why it was so 
cheap. But uh, <laughs> anyway, and that's probably why they are closed down now. So, um, but it was uh, it was a very good location near everything. And uh, and and of course, the first thing uh, the first thing I remember uh, going into in the hotel, uh, all of a sudden. It was dark gray skies and there was thunderstorms uh, and stuff like that. And the Blues lost 7-2. So that was uh, really not uh, the start of my adventure, which I hoped for. Because I thought, okay, here we go. So now I'm here and now everything goes wrong. But in the end, it didn't. But nobody knew um, how it would go the, the, the 17 days after that. So it wasn't even my plan to stay as long as that. So... <laughs> Crazy adventure, really. Yeah. So you got to interact with a lot of blues fans on Twitter and social media and stuff. So you kind of got a little bit of an insight about what St. Louisans were like. Uh, but you got over here, and I've never been to Europe, so I've never been to the Netherlands or anything like that. How did St. Louisans, how do they compare to, to the Dutch? Uh, well, the Dutch are very uh, straightforward, direct. Uh, people um uh, but also spontaneous and um uh, how do you say caring and and i i i but i mean i love uh, the people who live here uh, but if you see how generous and friendly and kind everybody was in st louis it was it was really amazing because i thought i mean with the gofundme that already blew my mind that said something uh, Amer Americans are, of course, of uh, fundraising and charity much, much more than the average European. Um, um, but then I thought, okay, they helped me get here, but now I am here. They probably will say, nice that you're here. You should see this, that, and that, and that. I have a nice uh, time. Thank you, and bye-bye, you know? Uh, but uh, it didn't go that way at all because people uh, were wondering if I was already there and then they say well, let me take you to dinner or lunch or join us there and there or we'll have a pre-game beer or join us at the, that crazy uh, nice thing you do on the parking lot how is it called tailgate tailgating yes. yeah we don't do that here man you know, so and then I should go to to tailgates and stuff and Ah, it was it was really amazing, and and and, and I had made a shirt because a, a friend of mine said um, uh, they they played the Stanley Cup in the Netherlands too on the television, so he said you should make a sign that's typically American, uh, and that you should hold it above your head, you know, when you're when you go to a game, so that maybe they take a picture of you, and then we can all see that you're there. But I thought, and I'm, I have to take a sign with me in the plane, and then, then, then no. So I thought, uh, that's not a great idea. But then another friend of mine said, you should have that text on a sign printed on a, a T-shirt. So I did. Uh, and I thought, that's nice for people that they know that I'm here. Uh, maybe they know me from Twitter. I can't remember everybody, of course. So then, then, then I can say, yes, I'm the, the guy who got here. Thanks to you, uh, people. So, uh, so I had a shirt. I have it here. People who saw me with it can still uh, can still uh, recognize it. I'm Gerard at Dutch underscore Blues fan, and I flew 4,300 miles from Amsterdam to St. Louis to see the Blues in the Stanley Cup. 
Yeah. So, uh, and I wore that shirt a lot. I had more, uh, some of those, uh, a couple of those, I mean, because uh, I didn't wear the same shirt for two weeks. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I I, when not. people saw that, I, I thought maybe one or two will recognize it and say, hey, thanks, uh, nice that you're here, I follow you on Twitter, and then I have some conversation, you know? But in the end, people who saw this, they, they were like, oh, I saw you on the media or in the paper or on the television. Because there was so much media attention uh, as well, that was also crazy that you have to do interviews because you're from far away, and and and, and I understand that and didn't mind. But um, people recognized the shirt and obviously me uh, uh, afterwards, and then they wanted to take pictures and they were going up to me and asking how I was how I was doing, and that's the difference with uh, how it would be here. Because imagine an American. Uh, who uh, supports a Dutch soccer team. And then it's not one of the famous big ones, but a team which doesn't win ever. Then we would all think that's, that's, uh, that's special, you know? We would say, for, hey, that's special. We, could, we, we would give the, the American media attention and we would probably recognize him. And then we would say as friends, hey, is that, that's uh, look who's, who's walking over there. That's the American from the, from the news, you know? And then we would say to each other, how, uh, how would he be doing? Oh, I think he will be enjoying himself. Yeah, I think so too. And then we would go on with our day, probably. <laughs> but in America, in St. Louis at least, they also wondered how I was doing. And then you guys also, uh, all think, let's go ask him if he's doing okay. And if he can help him, if he needs anything, if he needs to go somewhere, or if he, has he seen this, or has he been there, you should visit that, you should go to the zoo, it's free, you should go up the arch, etc. So, and, and people wanted to take pictures. Uh, it was, it, that, that was something I totally did not expect that. I, I, I just thought it's nice to be here, they probably all like it, and, and they, they probably hope I'm doing okay, and that's it. But, but the people were so generous and they all cared for me, for that, that lonely Dutch guy who is here all the way from the other side of the world, you know? So uh, that, that was amazing. The friendliness, the kindness. Yeah, that, that's, that was, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds a bit sentimental, but that was truly touching. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, was this your first time in the States? No, no, no. I've been to, uh, to the States more uh, also on a trip uh, lots and lots of years ago after after college um new york san francisco uh, i i went through uh st louis once a couple of days but that was completely different than anything i experienced last year and um i mean i i think you got the best of both uh american extremes uh like the like the east coast is, is very different than the west coast i imagine of a, i experienced that and and i know i don't know maybe it's the geographical stuff but you're in the middle of things and you probably have the best things of both sides of the country so i mean i i i like the people and i know it's a if if uh, they had lost game four with five zero and uh, and game five two probably uh, people would have said I don't care about the Dutch guy but <laughs> uh, yeah that's that would be totally understandable sure but but I, I, I fit it of course in the crazy story of the whole St Louis Blues experience you know and I, and I'm not uh, I'm not a good luck charm or anything 
uh, and definitely not as special as, uh, uh, for instance, the, the Leila Anderson story. I mean, I'm just a lucky guy who was in the right time at the right place and uh, from the other side of the world. And that made it uh, uh, special because the people helped me get there. So, so uh, that, that, um, that made it an extraordinary story, of course. Yeah, it's an interesting characteriz characterization you kind of make of St. Louis, you know, with with borrowing from West and East Coast a little bit. I I agree with that generally. Uh, St. Louis is definitely what you would you would definitely call it Midwestern here in in, mm -hmm. in the United States. I mean, we're we're the gateway to the West, you know, because we as as immigrants, you know, started from the East Coast and went west. You know, St. Louis was kind of was the, like one of the first cities west of the Mississippi. So you would have yeah. so it's it was kind of like a doorway to the West. I St. Louis Wags is kind of a doorway to a lot of different cultures because in, I always kind of view America as like four different parts. You have West Coast, East Coast, which are very strong cultures. You have the South, which is which is very strong cultured, and then you have the Midwest. I always kind of viewed uh, Wags. Would it be fair to say St. Louis? I kind of see as a blend of Midwest and Southern. Yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, you got you got the southern hospitality, but you've also got uh, the the hardworkingness of the the western you know parts as far as like farming and things like that. And and it just it seems to be the spot where a lot of people can congregate. I mean, we've got a very large Bosnian population, so soccer is just huge here. Um, we've got a, obviously a huge Italian congregation with the hill um, and there's just so many different aspects of the world in St. Louis that it, yeah, it seems like the perfect spot to be in. And I know I'm glad to have been born and raised here. I'll put it that way. Same. Well, same. I was raised here. I was born in Tampa, Florida, but I, I was, I was raised here and it's, it's, it's a melting pot. You, you, you truly do get a lot of cultures, as you mentioned, a lot of, uh, you know, St. Louis's soccer heritage was born in the Hill, which is the Italian area. You know, a lot of Italian uh, uh, heritage uh, went on to become good soccer players there. So, um, so, so Gerard, you're, you, you were in St. Louis for, you know, quite a while, about two weeks. Um, what were some of the, your favorite things to do while you were in St. Louis? Well, first of all, uh, I, I, uh, I was very busy every day uh, because, of, uh, yeah, because of the people. Uh, you meet people, you get to know people, they want to take you to this, they want to take you to that. You should have a drink with them, you should have dinner. I, I went to, to the Cardinals baseball, uh, I, wa I was invited by St. Louis FC. I saw how much of a soccer community it is. It was that was an amazing experience. They they beat Chicago in MLS Cup, and uh, oh, that that was that was that was fun. And uh, you saw a great course, game I, there. Yeah, that so uh, all kinds of experiences, and of course, games four uh, and the, 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 and six. I was there because of a Dutch businessman who worked in St. Louis who uh, found out about the story and said, I'm going to take you to the game because I didn't have a ticket for game six. Of course, they were totally uh, out of the ordinary with the prices. So, so uh, game five and seven, you had the watch parties uh, I was invited to. So there wasn't the day I, 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 that I didn't have anything to do. And of course, I went to, uh, to uh, Forest Park. I went to uh, Soulard. Um, I, had a, I mean, you have the arch, and there are even things I haven't seen yet. So that makes it all the most, all the more worthwhile to come back, of course. But uh, uh, I, I didn't uh, feel alone for one day. No, I had so, lots of nice things to do. 
<laughs> so let's now go to Enterprise Center. What were your first impressions once you got in? And does it compare to anywhere in the Netherlands as far as a sporting arena or just uh, the ambiance at all? Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of sports, uh, uh, lots of soccer, of course, uh, professionally, but also as a, as a fan. And uh, but the the, the 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 whole atmosphere and I mean, look, Americans. Uh, that's different with Europeans. You make it much more entertainment, uh, much more like in Europe. We also we, we we often say it's exaggerated, but I don't feel that way. But it's it has to be big. Or uh, it has to be great, greater, big, you know, more, more, more. Uh, but the whole atmosphere from the start for game four, the first uh, Stanley Cup final game I was ever uh, been to, of course, with the whole introduction, the lights, and you can you could feel that buzz in the building and the people, and I mean. It was crazy, and then uh, after the puck drop, and they scored uh, fairly uh, fast, uh, fairly soon. Um, uh, O'Reilly with the one uh, with the with the one nil. Uh, I mean, I thought I I thought what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What is happening? <laughs> you know, I thought the building is going to explode. That was totally what I did not expect. I mean, I expected a lot. Uh, really, I expected. A crazy atmosphere, but this was beyond imagination. This, it was, it, and and the, the 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 how do you say that the 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 delight of the people, you know, and um, they were so happy with the win and so relieved, and and you could feel the tension. I from the first minute, I said that to somebody I was sitting next to, uh, a, a nice lady from Florida. Uh, it turned out. Um, and she asked me where I was from, etc., etc. So we got talking a little bit, and I said, "This, this already feels as it, as like an overtime game, you know." And it was, it was just the first period of the game. So, and uh, that it was crazy. And all those ma the games after, it was all, it was more and more every day, every yeah. time, of course. Yeah, Blues fans really showed up for the playoffs, especially like really like once the Dallas series got going and fans started to believe that, hey, we could finally do this. You know, it just it was like it was just it felt like 52 years of pent up frustration just being just exploding like a volcano, you know, just, you know, letting it all out, you know, and it was it was it was so fun. And that yeah. leads to my next question. So it's to me game seven is going to be one of those generational things where it's like you always remember where you were when game seven happened i was in enterprise center for the watch party i was actually sitting in the kmox booth just to see i could you know i mean it was obviously it was unoccupied it's like you know what it's a fun story to tell later i was in the broadcast booth for game seven of the stanley cup finals and then I add the context later, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, Wags, you, when we came back to uh, do the second part of this interview, Wags, you were telling me that you were in Gulf Shores, Alabama on vacation. Um, you know, tell me that uh, real quick for us, Wags. Tell us that story. Yeah, yeah, we had planned a vacation, summer vacation. It was actually the first vacation I'd been on in about 10 years. So, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, goodness, I'm going to be on vacation for game seven. We ended up finding the one place in Gulf Shores that had the game because there was a ban on NBC or what have you. So we ended up in a Hooters 
with 25 Blues fans that were in Gulf Shores watching Game 7. I tell you what, aside from being here in St. Louis, I couldn't have thought of a better moment to be in watching Game 7 with 25 Blues fans just as, as a small little fan. We didn't even know each other, and yet we were there because we were Blues fans and the only place in Gulf Shores that had it, and it was, it was euphoric. Yeah, and remind, and remind us, Gerard, where were you for Game 7? Well, I was um, at the Enterprise Center for the watch party because I got um, I got a ticket um, from uh, Chris Ranji. You, 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 yeah, one on one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because uh, I, I ha- didn't have a ticket. Uh, somebody offered me one, but then he also offered me one uh, too. And um, because he heard I didn't have one, and he said you should be there. Uh, you're, you made it so far, uh, and now the Blues have made it so far. You can't be sitting here and not not having this final game, uh, watching it at a watch party. and But also with game five with that watch party, uh, I mean, if you if you, you see the atmosphere, it, it's a rink and it, it there's nothing happening. Yeah. You know? But people were, were even louder than during game four. And you, also there you could feel that excitement and that buzz and... I mean, yeah, if, if, if you would have been blind and you would be sitting there, you probably wouldn't have believed if somebody told you there's nothing happening on the ice. I mean, <laughs> it felt like an actual game, but it just didn't uh, happen on the ice. But uh, it was amazing. And, 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 and I, I still know because I made uh, uh, some, some uh, movies, uh, clips with my phone, of course, those final seconds, you know, it's like a rocket launch. People are counting down the seconds, and everybody knows in ten seconds it's it, we are there, you know. And and then the the, the uh, explosion of joy uh, that's that's unheard of. And I made a movie, and I was ecstatic myself. And and then all of a sudden uh, they used that movie in a Dutch talk show, that movie clip to show uh, what happened uh, when a Dutch uh, blues fan went to St. Louis. So. It got on the national media here, that joy and excitement, and everybody is like, that's, that's amazing. But that's what I explain to people. It's not just about winning a trophy. It's about beating uh, not only an opponent. It's about beating a, a whole history of failure and, and, and the joy of finally getting rewarded for all those years of passion that fans showed, but also the, the ownership, of course, which committed to the Blues and the whole story of the turnaround, you know, from worst to first with the, with Bennington coming in and Baruby, the interim coach. I mean, I'm still amazed, uh, but maybe I'm not, uh, I'm not informed well enough, but I'm still amazed that there isn't a movie in the making. Uh, because, I mean, if you want a miracle on ice, uh, this was a miracle on ice. No, but that's really, that's, that's true, you know? I mean, everybody, every sportsman in the world would, would watch a movie about this blues win, you know? I mean, we all know Moneyball and, and the movies like that, but you should make the movie of this. This, this, this is not going to happen ever again. So who should play you in the movie? Ha! <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's funny that you say it. Because uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, people always say I look like Damien Lewis. You might know him from Homeland, and there's n- another. Uh, there's another series. And the brothers. About, yeah, and uh, about attorneys or something. I don't know where where he's all played in. But oh, billions! Actually, some people, billions! Billions! Yeah, 
Oh yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah, and uh, there were actually some people who uh, who were uh, on the streets in St. Louis who said, "Hey, you look like Damien Lewis," and I thought, "Hey, that's what they say in my home country as well." So probably <laughs> Damien Lewis to on, uh, to answer your question. I don't know if he's too expensive. I can play myself. <laughs> I'll do it for free. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about the, the, the miracle on ice and, and all that. And the other part of it was the fact that it was against the Bruins, too, the team that they lost to in the last time that they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Too. Yeah. So that's another part that you're just like, that just adds another layer to it. And then you get to the parade afterwards. You were able, you were here for the parade, right? Did you get a chance to go to the parade or did you have to watch it on TV? No, no, no. Because, uh, uh, look, it was, I, I had I had to make a... Uh, um, I had to make a, a decision, of course, uh, when I bought a ticket. Um, I can't buy a single ticket and then another single ticket. Uh, I had to buy a return ticket, and I gambled on six games, St. Louis and six. Well, obviously, that could have happened, but that didn't happen. Uh, and then there came game seven. So I had to postpone my flight, uh, because otherwise I would miss game seven. Um, uh, and then it would all be for nothing. Then I'm watching here at home game seven on the television. That would be like going to a stadium, watching the warm-ups, and then leaving to see the game at home on the TV. Yeah, when you're when you're there, you have to stay till the end. You know, that's also fandom. For better or worse, you have to to stick with it till the end. So I thought I have to see game seven, no matter how it ends. But then all of a sudden, people said, "Yeah, but if they win, there there will be a parade and stuff," and that. That's, that's unique. That's not, never happened with the Blues. So you have to watch that as well. And then I thought, okay, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll postpone the ticket even more. And uh, so I, I postponed it twice. Cost some money. But, uh, but it was worth it because the parade... I mean, I, was, I, I thought I, I made an error in judgment because I thought, okay, the parade, that's nice. There's lots of people. Uh, I'm in a downtown hotel, so that's an advantage. So I just wake up very early and go there and find myself a nice spot. Well, that didn't work because it was like 10 rows in every place. So I, 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 could, have, I could see a little bit, but then in the end I went to the arts grounds. There was more, uh, there was more to see. And, um, and uh, yeah, uh, so I was at the rally most. And uh, well, it, but it was amazing. You know, I, the, the, the night before I... Uh, I walked along Market Street and just having a, a, a stroll down Market Street. And uh, I don't know why, but I also enjoyed uh, just walking up to the Enterprise Center, you know, and just being around that building. And uh, there were people doing nothing but just standing there because we all want to be there or something, you know. Yeah. And then that's crazy. But uh, and, and then I was walking and, and, and people were already building and like party tents and stuff like that the night before so i thought okay this is going to be a wild day tomorrow so <laughs> and then, yeah that was yeah. very funny and very nice and, and really unique to be uh to be able to watch it yeah yeah it was a great time we and we're glad you got to take part of it uh what's your favorite story to tell your your friends and mates in in, in the netherlands about your experience you know here in st louis well, I, I, I guess um, there, there were so many funny stories. Uh, uh, those, those were the most. I mean, the, the, the people who want to take a picture with your shirt or with you or 
uh, as if I'm some kind of rock star. I don't do anything special. I'm just there. Uh, the, the, of course, the mystery donor, what I already explained. Um, but the one thing, uh, also the Dutch businessman who took me to Game 6, that's theater sheets. I mean, you know how expensive those are? I didn't know, but I heard later and I thought, wow, it's crazy. And all the kind people I met and everything. But the one thing that stands out is, of course, um, the donation of that family, the Meyer family, um, uh, in honor of their passed away son. Um, because that goes beyond sports, you know? The, the, those people have lost a son and they recognize something of him in you, they say. You're from totally unknown, you're from the other side of the world. Those people give you an amount of money to buy a ticket. I mean, that's, that's, that's beyond imagination. That, that, that's, that stuff only happens on TV. Uh, and I mean, that, that, that goes so much more, uh, or that, that says some, so much more than just, than just uh, kindness or friendliness. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that, I, I mean, I get goosebumps when I uh, tell the story. So, yeah, that's, uh, the, for those people to do that, for somebody they don't know from the other side of the world, uh, I mean, what's, there are no words for how, how big of a heart those people have. And, and everybody has that. And not everybody has to give money to show that, of course. I mean, people who come up to me and say, how are you doing? Uh, I've seen you. Are you okay? And I said, yes, okay, that's good. That just to care for each other, that's the important thing, of course. So, but if I have to name one specific example, it would be that story. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. yeah that kind of brings a tear to my eye every time. Every time you it, talk about of, it, it's a little dusty in here. <laughs> so you, you've got um, you've got the people that you've been in regular contact on Twitter and social media. The people that you were friends with before you came to St. Louis. Is there anybody that you met here in St. Louis or started following you because of this story that you still kind of keep in regular contact with? Oh yeah. Uh, lots of them. Uh, uh, yeah, because there were, there are always the people who, uh, uh, who like to take you, uh, to, to like to show you something or have a drink or something, but there are certain people yeah, that you, you, you feel that connection with. And, uh, there are, I think, if I'm counting, I think that like 10 people or something, I am in regular contact with about everyday things. So I, for my, for, to put it into perspective, I've, uh, it's like I've met a new family, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the whole blues fan perspective. And um, yeah, and, and I have some, and I've made some friends as well. So... And in the end, there's, there's everybody, how small their, um, their actions were or how big, it doesn't matter. Everybody gave uh, me the feeling of being welcome, being part of it. Um, not like, uh, what's that foreign guy doing here? Uh, <laughs> true, uh, there were one or two or three maybe on social media who said, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, how do you say it politely? I wanted to use a word which I can't say. But um, that's not very nice. Let me put it that way, that, that people bring a foreign guy here. I, I would have liked that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, uh, most people were happy for me. And um, I'm just trying to be modest, uh, still do. 
um, I'm not doing anything special. The people thought it was nice uh, that I was there and uh, I made some nice uh, connections and uh, good friends. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's something you take away from, from an adventure like this as well, of course. So. So after your adventure last year, I mean, if, if there wasn't a pandemic going on right now, we would probably be in the uh, Stanley Cup finals right now. And if, yeah. if St. Louis were in the final again right now. Yeah, I always thought uh, probably not because uh, they probably won't do a, a, a second time around like so many teams don't. But uh, at the end of 2019, I already thought, this could be a great year, same team and stuff, and it goes uh, goes on and on. And, uh, and people were still enjoying my videos or tweets, so I thought it's not like they say, "Fun, don't come back again. Uh, we we don't need you here." So I I thought, well, maybe people think it's fun if I return, and 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 I noticed myself that it would be fun to return, and I saved money and. Um, so if they would have been in the finals now, I probably would have gone back. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that 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 chance was very real. Yeah, had to had to pick a different hotel because it doesn't exist anymore. Like I told you in the first part, so uh, I needed to pl- need a place to stay if I ever come back. So maybe if somebody knows a good hotel, uh, or maybe I can do couch surfing to, uh, to save some money. But people shouldn't start a new GoFundMe. That would be too much. Uh, then it, money better uh, can go to a charity or something. Yeah, we like can that. definitely that help you out with that much. hotel. That's for sure. Final question here, uh, where uh, Zoom is telling us we're running out of time. Uh, we asked you last uh, last week who your favorite player was when you were playing NHL '94, and just you know in that early time. Now in 2020, who can you say is your favorite Blues player? Yeah, well, hockey-wise, uh, Ryan Riley. But uh, I have a soft spot for David Perron. Um, and, and you know why? Because uh, I, uh, I got it uh, after they won the Cup. People said you should watch the Cup. Uh, and nobody uh, knew where it was most of the time, except for a few people, of course. And then I, there was somebody who said, you should go to OB Clark's. I was there. I was a little late. Then the next day, the, the cup was at the wheelhouse with the players. And I was there. And I touched the cup. So that was very special. And then there was a party of the players, and David Perron went crazy. You know, I never seen any, anyone party <laughs> like he did. And, and, and that, was so, that was so great to see how... I mean, he was like a little kid who was so enjoyed by the fact that he won a Stanley Cup. And that was, that was amazing to see. And that, I, I found that so, so uh, great. Um, yeah, that, that I thought, what a, what, a, what, a, what a nice, fun guy he is. So as a person, I would say David Perron. I would, if, I, if I had to have a drink with somebody, I would say David Perron. You probably have a good party night when you go with David Perron. And others, of course, as well. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100% watching how he took it back to his town and celebrated it with his town. That was really, really cool as well. So, Gerard, thank you so very much for joining us. We know the time difference is a little bit, you know, strained for, for some of us. But uh, any other final comments that you, you want to have? Um, no, like I said, I, I, can't, uh, I can't reiterate enough how thankful I am. Uh, I know that sounds, how do you say that, uh, cheesy. 
or something like the <laughs> thing you have to say but i like but, Ravel. yeah but that thing is with with the, with with dutch people they if they say something they mean it because we're straightforward so you, you you can believe me when i say that it was a unique experience and i would love to come back and um I will never forget what everybody did and how everybody responded, and and and, and of course that the, the sport side of it uh, as a fan, yeah, I mean it's that that's just like you guys. It's it's once in a lifetime that that you won't ever forget it, you know. Uh, never if you're if you're old and in a in a in an elderly home, you probably remember every detail about this cup run of 2019. So. Yeah, definitely. It was amazing having you on, Gerard. I want to thank you so much for coming on Blue Notes, uh, sticking around for uh, another segment here. And uh, whenever you, uh, next time you come to St. Louis, uh, first couple drinks are on me. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I'll keep you to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll look, look forward to sharing a pint with you and giving you a better hotel, you know, next time. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely come back. I would love to, so uh, it would be great. All right, Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, joining us on Blue Notes. Want to thank him for coming on. Want to thank my uh, partner, Wags. And want to thank you, because without you, there is no me, there is no Hockey Podcast Network, and there is no Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.